0: You're listening to the Fortnite Podcast. What up, what up, what up, and welcome to another episode of the Fortnite Podcast. This is going to be episode 123. I hope you guys at home are loving the new logo, because I sure am. It's your boy, Monster D-Face, and life with Panda. Panda, what's up, brother?
1: Hey, what's going on, man?
0: Hey, it's going good. It's going good. I mean, new look, new me, you know, feeling pretty good about this.
1: Hey, I got to say, that look is Fresh. And if you didn't get a chance to see the trailer from the uh, NA West Grand Finals uh, broadcast, you got to check out that trailer. Maybe Monster will drop it somewhere for some people to see. But man, it is clean. Again, that new look to the Fortnite podcast, something special.
0: Yes, sir. A lot of new stuff coming in, guys. We're definitely having some fun with everything, and I hope you guys are having a great and safe week. What a big week this was. We're not going to get into any politics, but, man, the world is shifting that we live in here today. What I do want to say is, of course, thank you guys to our listeners at home for tuning into this week's episode, whether it be through the iOS, the Spotify, or the Dash Radio platforms, just Stitcher and everything in between. We want to thank you guys. We appreciate you all for coming through and giving us a good old listen. With that, though, we're jumping into some hot topics because there is a lot to catch up on, my friend. We got topic number one, Team Atlantis disbands. And I'm going to take this from the top really quickly here, Panda, before I let you jump on it. I just want everyone to know that Team Atlantis, one of the earliest teams in Fortnite to be a part of this Fortnite ecosystem and esports organization, has completely broken apart. And the crazy part about this, to me, more importantly, this speaks volumes, right, beyond just Fortnite. This speaks to the esports ecosystem as a whole and how these orgs actually interact with Fortnite. Because I think we all know that this is not going to be the first team. This is just... Or, or not going to be the only team, I should say. This is going to be the first team of possibly many as the years go on.
1: Yeah, I mean, it really speaks to the fact that you saw uh, a team blow up in one game specifically and not truly diversify what they were doing and ultimately leading to, ultimately leading to their downfall, especially with everything going on uh, with coronavirus, et cetera. I know it's hitting a lot of companies hard, but this is really interesting to see an all-online company, something based in esports, losing traction similar uh, another story broke out that espn uh dropped their esports reporter wow. and dropped that that section so times are tough man i know disney as a whole has been cutting people off but to see it hit espn like that is kind of crazy but we'll see what happens in esports but you know team atlantis created something special They did a lot of good things for the community so really sad to see uh, them go but hopefully some kind of future for them uh, later down the road, when maybe things get a little easier and uh, the world gets back to a, a regular pace.
0: Yeah, and, and not only that, guys, they raised some of the, the most profound stars from the EU scene. Team Atlantis, had Leschi, they were one of the first to discover Metro from way back in the days so. Real OGs to the space. Um, Leshy actually went out of his way to change his in-game name as a tribute to Atlantis Leshy over the weekend when he competed within the FNCS uh, Grand Finals. So it was really cool to watch him you know, just show some love and honestly, the whole community that was outpouring their love for uh, Team Atlantis, it was pretty evident. It was all over social media, but like I said, I thought this is a pretty big story to break into today's podcast with because it really does crack open this whole idea of how do e- uh, esports fit within this competitive ecosystem? How do you actually turn a profit? And for what's such a new territory, right? This territory is so green, no one yeah. knows how to do it just yet. You see, of course, these superstar orgs like Phase, Energy, and all these other ones finding all the success. They make it look easy, but you know it's a harsh reality. I feel like when you really get out there, you're trying to do it yourself.
1: Yeah, and it really speaks to what organizations uh, are and how they can be successful because if you don't know as a community there's really i believe only one organization that is profitable at this time and that is phase all the other organizations are still growing and building to a point where they can they can reach profitability but it's not easy so you see all these orgs popping up and and they're like oh grind for us do this do that and it's like It's all in hopes that maybe there's a potential there. But in reality, owning an organization and operating an organization is so much tougher than you can possibly imagine. Hence why there's not many that are actually profitable.
0: Yeah, And I was just going to say, I feel like a lot of these orgs, they're like playing with house money, right? They're playing with that investor fund Mm -hmm. money. They're playing with that startup money. And that's how they pay for all these players these crazy rosters and a lot of them get burnt in the process of a lot of them get taken advantage of by the players themselves that jump on for a quick bag for a quick dollar but they don't actually get the promotion or don't have a game plan to actually um strategize with the players to you know at the very least bring in some uh some social media following right some great content that you can turn around yeah. and do big stuff with uh, There's there's a lot of disconnect there but a lot of companies are going to have to fail before they figure out how to succeed, and this is just one of those instances that we had to talk about here today. But moving on, right? Moving on. We talked about Leshi a little bit there. I think it's a good time to shout out Leshy as well for changing it up and joining into G2, and he had one of the most controversial, all <laughs> all right, maybe not controversial trailers, but he had a very interesting trailer coming out of G2. Did you get to watch it, Panda?
1: I didn't get a chance to watch it, no. But I know his uh, his announcement kind of leaked a little early. His uh, Twitter handle changed before he actually made ah. the announcement. So it was interesting to see that, a little bit of drama behind that. But then now I didn't get a chance to see the trailer. Tell me about it.
0: Okay, yeah. So the trailer, man, G2 really went off the rails here. They let basically let Leshy be Leshy. So you, you guys know, a lot of these esports players, a lot of these pros... They're raunchy. They curse a lot. They go up on their own channels. And, you know, there's no filters. That was basically the essence of his trailer. He was wow. dropping F-bombs. He was sticking up middle fingers. <laughs> he was... Dude, it was... Uh, yo, it was off the rails, man. And it was sponsored alongside G2, of course, and Domino's, the pizza <laughs> company. What? Yeah, so I was tripping because I'm like, there's no way you have this kid cursing dropping middle fingers with domino's pizza car driving him around and like bro you, you guys got to see it if you want to you know be in for a good laugh but also a big scratch in the head like how did they get away with this they did it and uh the community loved it i mean granted right it's fortnite it's a lot yeah. of young players uh they they ate it up so big shouts to g2 man they got Leshy. they have coop as well so signing two superstars from different regions one from na of course one no from doubt. EU. They also have Tohaz from before. So G two has always been around Fortnite, but I, I think this resurgence is coming with the with all their new signings and they're turning a lot of heads.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Similar to C nine, uh, really coming back into the space too. It's it's kind of exciting, like you said before in the last or one of the last podcasts when we talked about the Cloud Nine signings of like Chap and etc. Uh, it's it's exciting to see these organizations take more pride in Fortnite because it, Fortnite is not an easy space as an organization, to really grow and be a part of. However, if you do it right, there is there really is room to grow as a brand. So it's just about balancing the game with the brand itself.
0: And, and there was a lot of speculation why teams were pulling out, right? Like right after World Cup, you saw teams disappear like they never existed yeah. before. And I think it was just that volatility in the market. People weren't sure where's the lifespan for fortnite is it still going to be here a year from now and i'd say after a year past world cup now we're into that bend right this is the same time where world cup was ending last year and we're leading into the new time um there's a lot of orgs jumping back into space i think that window just gave people uh the roadmap to say okay i think epic's going to be here for a while i think fortnite's around to stay and now they're investing not only that they have more proofs of concept from other orgs finding success and growing in a space for staying uh, true to it and consistent. And, yes, I think this is a great, great, great opportunity now for people to jump in. Talking about people jumping in, though, FN Competitive hits us with something very interesting. And they made us pay a big price for a panda.
1: Yeah, no doubt. So, Fortnite Competitive uh, tweeted out. They're like, hey, listen, you get us as a Twitter account to 1 million followers and we will drop Duo Arena." the moment we hit it. And so it's funny because Monster and I, I think in the last podcast, we talked about there's like very little chance that they could just drop Duo Arena. We talked about like the intricacies of adding Duo Arena with trios and solos and how they potentially would have to take one away. But no, Monster, they did it. But it did come at a price. It, it, It sought after the community and said, hey, listen, if you can get us to a million followers, we'll make this happen. So really the question is, is there more room for stuff like that to come out? Will there be a tweet of, "Oh, hey, listen, you get us to two million followers on Twitter, and we'll give you a hundred percent chess bond rate back, etc." Oh, so don't get him it, hyped. It, listen, it's cool to see, but what's next? Like, you can't just do it once and then walk away from it. You know what I mean?
0: No, I think Epic is doing a really good job, again, just hitting that communication bar, showing that they are willing to take the necessary steps to cater to competitive. And this is one of those instances where the community really wanted DreamHack to have duos. Duo competition got dropped into DreamHack and announced, and then they dropped it in the game worldwide for everyone to get their practice in as well. That, my friends, is what we love to see. That, my friends, is Epic just continuing to raise the bar and show that they are changing the narrative. This is a new leaf. This is another page written out for Epic that they're stepping in the right directions. And honestly, this entire FNCS was fantastic. It was pretty great. The loop pool chiseled down. No crazy, you know, pop-up things happened. It was a very, very good Grand Finals. Except for some drama that unfolded in between. Talk about, or let's talk about, World Cup champion Aqua (laughs) getting banned for or from the FNCS competitive week.
1: Yeah, so that's a really interesting situation, right? So it starts off, all of us on Twitter, we're watching the competition, most of us watching it from the Fortnite broadcast, or if you're watching it from your favorite creator, etc. We notice some tweets come out from Benji and Savage accusing Aqua of intentionally leaving the game. Now, obviously, that is something that is against... The, uh, the competitive integrity of Fortnite, and it's in the the, the TOS or the, the policies and procedures. Yep. When it comes to the game, so naturally there became some Twitter beef between Aqua, Savage, Benji, some, and then some jokes thrown around afterwards. But it did ultimately result in him getting a warning from Epic. But following that and following all the stuff that happened on Twitter... It actually turned into a competitive ban because of stuff that he posted on Twitter. And that just kind of said it, it's a red flag for the community. Hey, guess what? Maybe I should stop posting inappropriate stuff or, or saying things that I shouldn't on social media.
0: Yeah, so things escalated really quickly here. We're talking about Aqua obviously getting removed for you know, let's just say not following the rules, disconnecting from the game. Now, the reason he received the extended ban was because right afterwards, he thought it would be funny to tweet from his huge profile uh, a video of someone essentially hacking. Someone hitting headshot snipe after headshot snipe. And his tweet was a joking tweet along the lines of, all right, it's all good. Like, this is going to be me when I come back. Like, so that's where Epic was like, all right, buddy, you already messed up. We gave you a soft warning. Now you then crossed the line, and they gave them a ban, a, a a more strict ban, which excludes them from this week's competition. I think it excludes them from the next major, which would have been DreamHack. That's happening right now, because I don't see him competing either there. So yeah. this is something that carried some pretty big ramifications. And not only that, I don't know if anyone's even really talked about this, but. I feel like there was a time where I read that if you were banned from competition, you were also excluded from the next major, which would be like the World Cup or something like that. I feel yeah. like this is a thing that no one's really talking about, but it's it's pretty big. The World Cup champ gets banned from even being able to play in the next World Cup potentially.
1: Yeah, I think it I think the it revolves around like the next major competitions and i think maybe fncs drops into that same bucket so it could potentially hold him back from being able to compete in fncs shortly now i don't think it's i think dreamhack is obviously one of those when you're a competitive ban like i think he was set like 2 weeks of like no arena competitive ban esque and then it was also on top of that you lose out on i think it was two full competitive events
0: yeah something crazy like that but essentially it really has created this whole world a problem for him, a little bit of an issue for his esports organization, Cooler as well. And I find it so bizarre the way Cooler hit the social media headlines. Instead of correcting their player or addressing <coughs> Aqua, they were coming at Epic's neck. I don't like let's let's just talk about that. Let's talk about communication from the organization's perspective. If you're an org owner, your teammate gets banned I mean, we've seen FaZe be in the hot seat before, let's just say with Dubs speaking yeah. up on, you know, saying racial slurs and getting corrected by FaZe, right? They corrected him for that. They didn't come at the Twitch platform for saying, hey, why'd you ban our guy, you know? They came at the player, right? They try to help him. Yeah. Cooler in this instance was like, hey, Epic, why why'd you take our player down? Like, we know he did this, but, you know, he doesn't deserve it or something like that, like, they really came at it, and I don't know if it's a language barrier, but they started coming at Epic, almost sliding them in a way like it's it's your fault, not their fault.
1: And that I think that's the that kind of speaks back to the original topic when we we're talking about how organizations are are not profitable in their and they're they're what's the word? It, it's um, just not there's no um like sanctity or no uh like conf- confirmation that an organization is going to be there the next day. And I think a lot of that speaks to the fact that organization owner- owners aren't always as professional. I get that it's eSports, but sometimes you have to step up as a business and not just a team that is supporting your players. Now, I get it if like somebody genuinely was wronged and maybe they, they were following the rules, but it was mistaken as something else, and you're supporting your player in that way, go for it. But I mean, we even saw this with like FaZe Jarvis completely blatantly cheated and his organization continued to stand behind him and his actions and tried to get him unbanned. But obviously that was unsuccessful. So do you think uh, an organization like Cooler, who is nowhere near as big as a Phase Clan, is going to be able to achieve that same feat? No, when I mean- FaZe Clan was not able to get an unbanned for Jarvis? I mean there it's just one of those things
0: and, you know this this wasn't about the unbanned it was it was just more so down to like like i said they used the opportunity to slight epic they were just it was the tone it was the way it came out it became really weird and talking about the way announcements were happening and the way the tone was being perceived by the community in this, re- in this regard the community was pretty upset after the last fncs uh ended too because there wasn't a big comp announcement which up until this point epic has been pushing announcements at the end of every major and we didn't get one this time around do you feel like the community should be content with the fact that they knew dreamhack at the very least was going to be duos and like that was the big announcement and maybe they weren't anticipating it to go down like that but it's kind of where we are
1: i think it's it's okay i don't think it's as big of a deal that they didn't make the announcement because I also think that there's so much going on that they also need to focus on. I mean, Donald Mustard was on a podcast, which, side note, we should try to get him on this podcast. But he was just on a podcast, and he talked about the trajectory of Fortnite and how Marvel is going to be a part of Fortnite for several seasons to come, and how this season's event is going to change the dynamic of Fortnite. Like, Not enough people are talking about this interview And the impact that it has. So maybe they're holding off on making any kind of announcements because they don't want to either promise anything or spoil anything for the future of Fortnite.
0: Yeah, I'm just hoping that we don't go backwards here, right? We've made so many strides to get to a place where Epic is finally... Just taking competitive, what I would say is a lot more seriously, even with the way they're actioning players like Aqua in this instance, which by the way, I think it goes to mention that Aqua started snitching on everybody, guys. Just he was like, <laughs> Yo, you caught me, but take a look at this clip. And I, I really wanted to talk about that too, but I'll just I'll quickly throw it out there. Bro, if you get caught, you know, you got caught. You know, you can't be mad at Epic not actioning everyone. They weren't the ones that were caught red-handed, brother. You were. You targeted one of the biggest streamers in the world as one of the biggest streamers in the world, or profiles in this instance, and yeah. you got busted. So that's that. But uh, yeah, no, on, on on the whole topic of like where competitive is and where it's been going, it's been on an upward trajectory. It really has been trending in a right yeah. direction. So for them to continue to do this Marvel stuff, as long as it doesn't really interfere with the core of comp, because honestly, comp is it's it's its own thing right it doesn't matter how much you try to make the games play out like a normal game of casual it's just never going to be the same they're never going to look the same comp is always going to be this tower of builds and it's never going to feel you're not going to feel that going into a casual game as a casual player
1: yeah i gotta agree with that i think they need to focus on competitive as a future and i think that's also why they brought in that one competitive person from Overwatch, they brought him over to Fortnite or to I'm Epic. And they're
0: Nate, like, Nanz- uh, Nate Nanzer?
1: I think so, yeah. They they are trying to make competitive its separate entity and make it something special. And we, like you said, we've seen that trajectory going up. I hope that obviously the story continues with Fortnite because the casual player base is truly what funds the prize pools when it comes to competitive. But the, the competitive space is something special, and it's so enjoyable to be a part of and to watch and to even get the opportunity to cast that I, I just hope that they understand that there has to be a balance between the two. But I think there is. I think they're realizing that, which is why we're seeing more communication on Twitter and, and more, uh, unfortunately, no patch notes, but at least uh, like creator notes that they send out in emails. So it's a step in the right direction, not necessarily everything that we want as a community, but listen, I'll take it for now.
0: I mean, yeah, and, and talk about steps in the right direction. We saw something really special unfold during the FNCS weekend, which um, we, we missed last week's episode. So we can talk about it here now. That reboot round, right? They're trying some new stuff here. That was one of the most exciting matches to watch. Basically what happens, if you didn't qualify through to the grand finals from your heats? you had one more opportunity to play in the reboot round, to play in the grand finals. The catch was only the victor would move on. And the winners ended up being my boy, Connor, Gage, and Plexi. And that turned out to be a whole situation afterwards. So before we get to what unfolded, we want to celebrate the good in this instance. Winning what was, I guess, one of the most high-stakes matches we could have asked for. And it was it was shown, man. It was shown on the EU broadcast. It was felt on the NA East broadcast when I was casting out with Aussie antics. It was yeah. one heck of a show.
1: Yeah, I can only imagine, obviously, uh, for someone in his position, uh, especially in the community, the community knows him as an admin for Prax Server, right? But being able to step up and perform with a trio like that has got to be a huge moment. Now, it's unfortunate the way that it ended up rolling out. Um, I know the Fortnite guy made a, a video on it, uh, not necessarily a video hitting the full honest topic, but hey, guess what? That's what the Fortnite podcast is here for, because we're about to hit that topic head on. So, Connor. Loses a teammate to a Halloween party. That's the headline, right? Connor extremely upset. Teammate trying to, keep, to remain level-headed uh, because the player Plexi right okay, uh, ended I think,
0: up. I think you got to you got to backcheck here. You're definitely going to lose people. We got to we got to give the context here. So let's do it. Connor and his trio win the reboot round, which means they qualify for grand finals by the skin of their teeth. If you make it a grand finals, you have a shot at the millions on the table, guys. Right. So now moving into the grand finals, a two day setting, two day games, uh, stages of games, Saturday and Sunday, six each day. This is where things went wrong. Connor's trio that performed really well coming into the gate of things all of a sudden got hit with an unforeseeable circumstance. His trio, Plexi, in this instance, had to leave mid tournament. You're talking about one of the best players in the world. As a trio, you just proved that you are one of the greatest in the region to make it this far. And you had to back out of earning what would be potentially millions and hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's kind of where the context lies. So you can understand where Panda's going when he says Plexi got up and left.
1: Yeah, so to, to give more context to it. Uh, in the moment, Connor and and, and the other uh, gentleman was so upset you you heard it from their stream have uh, you seen it in videos clips what, wherever you may have seen it but the full story is when you're young, right you kind of are at the whim of your family. your parents are still your legal guardians and they made a call to pull him and there was nothing that he could do it was out of his, his um, out of his hands but Connor initially tweeted out saying, hey like, I'm so upset. Like this is what happened. And there was no context to it. Right. But then later finding out himself, the full context of the situation and then retweeted out, Hey, like don't send him any hate. Like it was out of his control. We're still going to play day two. Like there's still going to be, you're still going to see more of us. I got to get in the right mindset and props to Connor for stepping up and, and not letting his anger of the situation fully take over. And and also stepping up and say, hey, you know what? I was wrong in my initial tweet. I deleted it. Here's my current statement. Don't send him hate. It was not his fault. And let's move forward.
0: Hey guys, ultimately though, it turned out to be, uh, I guess, a really bad thing for Plexiness. In instance with how quickly the news spread about a team uh, or a player breaking away from their trio and leaving for what was a quote unquote a Halloween party. Man, you guys can imagine the jokes were on, the memes were out, the tweets were going, and the hate was real. People were really salty, and he lost a lot of points because apparently it wasn't the first time that he's actually done this. There's been other instances where his parents, I'm assuming, stepped in and really pulled him out of major competitions or disregarded his position as a pro player in these kind of tournaments. So it is unfortunate, right? This goes to a whole different conversation about how parents accept their kids being professional players or how they just flat out don't. And I think we've seen, I guess, the better side of it for the most part, right? The families engaging and supporting. But this is one of those ones where it's like, nah, dog, you ain't doing that. Get your butt out of here. We're going to whatever it is that we got to go do.
1: <laughs> and it happens more than we realize. Like, this isn't just a one-off situation. I'm sure there's tons of families out there that still just genuinely don't understand uh the potential of some of these kids that are competing and what they could do. Like, honestly, this trio could have walked away with upwards of a, like, I think it was a hundred thousand dollars if they walked away with first place. But I mean, like you said, millions of dollars on the line over this grand finals weekend. It's it's a lot, but if, if a parent just doesn't understand that, that that is a real reality, then sometimes they make the the call of, hey, it's time for you to come with me because we're going to, in this instance, a Halloween party.
0: I feel like World Cup was definitely one of those same situations, right? Your kid's playing, grinding weekend after weekend. You don't know what's going on, right? You just think he's a gamer until he tells you, yeah, ma, uh, I got to fly to New York. Fifty thousand guaranteed, thirty million up in the air. All of a sudden, they become true supporters. We've seen it firsthand. World Cup last year, or you know, one and a half years ago, it was literally just that. This time around, it's not as big of a scale, but hey, the opportunity and money is still very much there. So that's what happened. That was, I guess, the biggest drama of the FNCS Grand Finals weekend. And I just wanted to talk about that, just to get you guys. Kind of just up to par on how quickly things can change, or just a different dynamic that we really don't get to see very often. Parents literally changing their kids' lives or altering what could be um, a fate that we never get to see unfold in this instance. So it does, uh, it does suck. It does sting a little to me because, man, if I was in those shoes, bro, I'd be so salty.
1: <laughs> I would too, man. Like imagine the the opportunity. Grand finals is not something that everybody just gets gets into. You have to grind and through arena. The
0: the hardest match of all, the reboot mm-hmm. single victory round to make it.
1: Yeah, I mean that is it is huge in itself. And the way yeah the way they got to the grand finals, and we even saw Ghost Sean and Trio after they won their reboot round. The the performance they had was definitely better than. a majority of the lobby so it just kind of speaks to the fact that there was so much potential there and it's kind of lost out because of a parent's decision so i'd get it i'd be salty but at the same time it's like okay you know sometimes parents just don't understand
0: 100 percent here though now let's do a little recap man let's talk about who actually took home the big piece of the prize for fncs Grand finals. Life of Pen. do me a favor, search up EU while I give a shout out to Reverse 2K, Miro, and Day, who took home all of the butter, uh, all of the bread and butter here for the NA East region. They actually came out on top. This is one of the few instances where an entire organization, as a team, collectively win a championship. And this was going to be from Team New Age. And this is something that we've seen happen a lot lately. These old school players, these veterans like Reverse UK, pairing up with the new blood. Miro, who hit a record amount of eliminations, literally leading triple plus digits across the entirety of the region. And I think the world for most Elims, so very, very impressive as an individual player from Miro. Paired up with Day, another great controller player. I, I want to encourage you guys to check out my VOD reviews on either of the two, especially the one with Mira. I did an interview with him, so you guys get to listen in to, you know his kind of side of things and how he jumped into comp. But these are these are guys that are up and coming, man. And they just took home one of the biggest tournaments ever this weekend. Um, and then we have the EU boys, right? I think Mongrel just getting his first ever championship.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mongrel walking away with the first FNCS uh, championship with E11, Tayson, and Liquid Mitro. I mean a huge huge uh, uh, accomplishment for this trio. They've been working very very hard throughout the season. There was some there was one point that they were really really solid, then they started to to struggle a little bit, and then here they are back on top and they went into day 2 with like a 60-70 point lead. Something that was made it to where they were very comfortable in day two, but then they started getting contested, Mm. which ended up uh, shrinking that lead down to only 14 points. They literally won by 14 points with Janice, uh, stuck on top and, and one ZR, uh, taking second place. So it, it really speaks to the fact that guess what? It's anybody's game. It doesn't matter if you're going into a day two, like day two is really when the grand finals, uh, Winner is decided.
0: Yeah, and, and it, it was the same for NA East, right? You have reverse UK mirror on day, creating a monstrous league coming out of day one. Then day two, all of a sudden, people hit the VOD reviews, man. People did the homework, and it was Zayt, Saf, and Stretch who really were the most dominant team on day two. If you just look at it from individual day points, um yeah. day one day two which was crazy but as a whole right these two-day performances is about how good you are overall and that was enough there was enough there for Verse 2k and company to take home that entire tournament but that leads me into the conversation of E 11 tason specifically the way he interacted with me on one of my tweets which i wasn't even directing at him but i'm gonna say mm-hmm. what i set out anyways i basically messaged out or i echo to the community what's up with all these players Winning championships under organization banners and then disregarding or leaving the team as a whole. Why is it that I feel like the players don't have loyalty to the organizations or why is it that these people don't know how to just build into the teams or renegotiate their way through these same teams and work their way up? I just felt like at the time it was one of those pop flash, uh, I guess, moments that came to my mind, and, I'm, and I wanted to share it. And it, it came with both sides of the coin. And we can talk about two sides of perspective here. But what I echo to the community is like, what's up with the loyalty? Where's the loyalty?
1: Yeah. And I mean, you already know this community is very money hungry. Like there is no loyalty when it comes to it. If a bigger dollar bill shows up, they they tend to jump. But what I will say from an organization standpoint if they had someone on the org or on the team that was always paying attention to this and attempting to renegotiate and and create like a business acumen and relationship with their players so that the players still understand at least the business side or the basic business side of things, then maybe we would see less of this. I'm not saying you would, because as soon as a phase clan comes around or a hundred thieves comes around and they slap down the check and their name, people may leave that. Atlantis, for instance, or or one of these other organizations that really helped grow you. For me, a good example of this is Reverse 2K, stepping up after leaving a major organization like TSM, saying that, you know what, uh, the new age, brand new organization, starting with me as one of their first uh, roster players, but I'm going to take a chance on them because I, I think, they made me I feel special. I think
0: Reverse 2K's situation is a little different, though. I'm, I think for Reverse 2K in particular here, it was the other way around. It was the organization didn't want him anymore because they thought he probably wasn't bringing as much value. I think there was a miscommunication there on that. Oh. In that, regard. So that might be one of those other instances where it's on the other side of the foot, and that's what I wanted to talk about. I totally get that sometimes the orgs cannot afford you. They can't you know, pay for your value, or they can't. You know what I mean? Meet your needs. Not every organization is going to be perfect, but I also feel like there's a lot of burnt bridges that go along the way. There has to be these stories that we see unfold where a team tries their best to treat the players right. They pay them a lot and they do not gain the respect or the value from those players. I feel like I can lame off a list of players of players that do not represent their orgs accordingly that you probably didn't realize were even on a team because they're not in the social bios and those kind of things. And all of a sudden, they also step on these orgs, take advantage, and then move on. So I was just wanting to, I, I kind of brought this up because if I was in that, that situation or those shoes, I'd be be—I'd be trying to hustle or negotiate my way to equity, owning a piece of an organization, sticking with go. the org because I believe that If you stay with one brand, you can build and be stronger right? in the long run. And that's where Tayson took uh, a lot of, I guess, he thought I was personally targeting him. Because right after he won the championship for FNCS, he basically tweeted out, (laughs) I'm a free agent. So it it was timing, I guess, right? But it was also one of those things where I was like, yo, bro yeah so what if you feel like they can't afford you right now because yeah you won a championship back-to-back yada yada but like how do you how do orgs how do you expect your org to be the next tier one if you're not also taking the risk in them if you're not also being the superstar on their roster kind of like how buga platform sentinels and then rocked out with the sentinels and sentinels respected worldwide right now right and especially with the sporting community you guys can do that too especially if you're a tason on a team like e 11 at the time negotiate your way tell them to give you a piece of the the bigger prize right maybe they can't pay you month to month but you can win in other ways partnerships um equity and just all kinds of different kind of structures there's so many ways to negotiate these deals and that's what i was getting at when it came down to finding your value finding your worth there's a lot of ways to get to that but i feel like some people are just negligent to the ideas and for that reason Get yourself you know, get yourself a business manager, man. I think I think a lot of these folks need it, man, because there's a lot of missed opportunity when they leave these teams, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, and, and one last thing on that, like it, it it stings. It stings from an organization standpoint that put all their money, they put their effort into you, and then you're just like, free agent, Who who wants me?
0: Yeah. I mean, look at
1: him Booga, like you mentioned, was a perfect example of that. He's still with Sentinels. He won World Cup. Do you think FNCS finals back to back is a World Cup? It really isn't. But I get it. You know, I'm not going to I'm not going to dive too much into it, but I think it really is about being loyal, but also understanding your your worth. But just don't don't mix up the two. Don't like money is not everything. Money is a shortcoming, especially if you start to drop off. If you were there for your organization, your organization is going to be there for you.
0: There you go. You know, sometimes people take the short term gains instead of the long term strategy in this instance, and and that was what I was throwing out there, and it was a hot topic. I will say I got a lot of, uh, I guess, positive support from org owners, ironically enough. They were loving it. They were like, (laughs) yes, this, and I felt like I was speaking for them when they can't, you know what I mean? It's like one of those hot topics, one of those like, he said what I can't say right now or what I don't want to say because they don't want to be perceived um, in some negative light because, man, let's be honest, orgs get bashed just for discipline and players. For finding players, for doing X, Y, and Z, or for whatever, and it's a business, and these players do not make it easy to run that business, whether it be <laughs> fulfilling obligations or getting themselves into these crazy scandals um, that the orgs all of a sudden now have to, you know, part ways with or figure out how to mitigate. So, um, yeah, it's it's a big conversation, it's a big topic, and I think that was uh, that was kind of what we wanted to hit on for that one. You guys at yeah. home, man, let me know. Right, hit us up on social media. Feel free to share uh any of your thoughts on that one that was one of my more fun topics that i kind of spun up in the community this week talking about topics spinning up and this will be the last one for the day we praised epic a lot today but now it's time to shoot down the flying bird here really quickly they decided to remove double movement out of nowhere panda do you know how double movement works and if so can you explain it to the people at home
1: all right, so I'm going to go ahead and break down double movement for you, and then I want Monster to give his take because my take may be different than his. So the way that double movement binds work is when you go in, similar to scroll wheel reset, there are two binds that you can set your movements to. If you set both of them to those movements and you use them simultaneously, it gives you similar movement to a controller player. Now, I'm going to spin this to Monster and... And I want to get his opinion because, like I said, I may have a different thought on okay. this than he does.
0: Okay, so yeah. I think that Fortnite is in a place where macroing, where you take a program and you have it assist you to do multiple keys that you would otherwise not be able to hit, whether it be at an inhuman speed or just you're not physically capable of doing it, is definitely a problem. And that was where double movement was being abused by the community. People were basically cheating their way on keyboard and mouse to unlock 360 movement that simulates the controller movement. I feel like double movement, Epic taking it out, was a step in the wrong direction. And it's only because if players that are genuinely trying to work hard to unlock the skill to do this they get denied the ability to move like that, which means that they're at a disadvantage when they're playing against a control player who has 360 movement. And on the same regard, it's also not the player's fault if they have to go and work around the system to get to a feature that should otherwise be accessible. So I think this is more on Epic's shoulders and Epic should have, even now, should give PC players... Full, full degree of movement because the two games, the two inputs should literally rival one another, right? I don't think they should be two different experiences. So that's my take. What's your
1: take? All right. So I'm going to agree for the most part. So I think that it should be an option. Obviously, it shouldn't be a double movement. You shouldn't have to tape your keyboard, etc. My issue with the entire situation was more about the way that the community handled it, right so. First you, thing, you don't
0: like them setting fires
1: on On Buga, <laughs> for instance. I mean, let's be real. Like, literally, instantly, Buga is blamed for everything now. But I get it. Um, well, so, he did, here he it is. He did show it off. Yeah, he did show it off. But at the same time, it's like he doesn't work for Epic. He's not the person at Epic making the decision to pull this. And I think 100% it should be something that is readily available for everybody. And I think it should be a part of the movement. In general, maybe not necessarily double movement, but if you double tap a right or a left, it, it provides that additional movement. I don't know how it exactly would work, but I don't think it should be something that you have to, again, tape a keyboard for, but it should be something available. Now, I actually tweeted out, um, I retweeted Unknown saying, imagine complaining about double movement when I had legacy removed. And so I retweeted this and I said, you know what, look, I'm going to have to agree with Unknown as a keyboard uh, and mouse player. We've never had to adapt to a major change the way controller players have. And double movement is not one that is nearly the same impact as a complete rework of the building and aim mechanic for controller players. When I tweeted this out, I just wanted my community to kind of give their perspective on it because I've had hours of conversation with controller players on them constantly having to adjust to what's going on. And interestingly enough, TW writes on there saying, who's claiming this? And that tweet <laughs> skyrockets. So all these different perspectives came in. And so it, it really came back down to the conversation of, hey, listen, like as a community, we failed to truly respond to the issue. Uh, they, no one was up in arms like saying, hey, listen, like, or providing any kind of solution to the issue, right? They were all like, it's Booga's fault. Like imagine being Booga. Imagine being that kid. What... There was one tweet that really got me. It was like, imagine being the the kid that reminds the teacher that you have to that you have homework to turn in. Oh no. Like and then comparing (laughs) Booga to that. Like, I think look, there's a disconnect here. I think that double movement is something that is nice to have. I think it would definitely level the playing field, like Monster mentioned, when it comes to controller, uh controller movement to KBM. I also don't think it has nearly the same impact as some of the things controller players have had to go through. So that was kind of my take on it. Um, okay,
0: okay. But do two wrongs make a right in this instance? Does it make it okay for PC players to be going through a struggle? Is it isn't it equally as wrong no matter what? Like they have the right to complain like everyone else, I feel like. Um, and more importantly, they shouldn't be in this problem at all.
1: Yeah, I mean I'll agree that epic's because epic immediately here removing it with no kind of like topic on it.
0: I was just mm-hmm. gonna say because here's the thing: spreading that message is like saying it's okay, it's not okay for you to complain because we had to deal with the same problem. It, that that doesn't make sense.
1: No, I think, and I think that's a good way to look at it. I don't think that it's it's not okay to complain. I think it's like when it comes to the comparison of things that like KBM players have done, right? I, I, I whether it be a Zay tweet or someone else coming at controller players it's just saying adapt right always giving that answer but then when something happens to them and when they have to change the way they do it it's instantly darn you Booga for taping your keyboard how dare you telling the teacher homework school like like? sometimes you gotta take a step back and constructively complain or provide that feedback because if you don't do it that way guess what Epic's less, less likely to be receptive to it you think Epic's going to listen to you yelling at Booga when they're sitting in the background? Their business, they they're not as connected to the community as as individuals like us. They aren't going to understand the way that these people are are talking or are having this conversation. No, they're going to take a step back and they're going to be like, "Well, why are they blaming Buga? We made this choice. Like, it's it's just not going to click in their head. You have to think about it from that different perspective of of a business versus a community."
0: No, I mean, I get it. I definitely get it. I don't think anyone should be blaming Booga. Uh, obviously, Booga made uh, an error in the sense that he shared <laughs> an exploit, right? A way to get to an exploit. He spotlighted an issue in the game, and they they decided to action that so that they get closer to what they believe is competitive integrity, a fairness. Um, I think we definitely missed the ball across the board here. I think Epic should have absolutely or should even now be absolutely looking at how to enable this movement for all players and or removing it from controller like it's one or the other but more importantly i don't say take away i say give right we should be figuring out how to give the Fortnite uh pro players on keyboard and mouse the full 360 movement we should be figuring out how to give the controller players what we call scroll wheel instant reset these are things that the community have created solutions for that were issues And we should be, uh, you know, making it equal for both inputs. So there's uh, much more competitive integrity across the board.
1: Yeah, I I definitely think it was not the best move. And and again, they could be doing something behind the scenes to maybe right the ship or right this wrong. But without the communication, the full communication on something like this, we just don't know what's going on. I think that's ultimately what's making the community react in the way that they are.
0: And there it is that's uh that's been the week's episode it's a lot to catch up we miss a whole <laughs> week and we have two weeks worth of content here uh, all jam-packed into this one big 45 plus minute episode guys for the listeners at home i hope you all enjoyed it it's been monster in life of panda panda i'm gonna give you the floor really quickly to give yourself a quick plug a shout out let the people at home know where they can find you and uh, reach out to you
1: yeah thank you thank you you can find me Twitch.tv forward slash lifewithpanda. Uh, I stream Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern. And Saturdays, uh, I'm on at some point. And then uh, on Twitter, you can find me lifewpanda. Uh, if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out. I'm more than happy to answer anything for you all.
0: And as always, guys, send all your complaints directly to me at thefortnightpodcast at gmail.com. It's been a great week. I really do hope you guys love and enjoy the new logo and look. I'll be bringing some content pieces now to Twitter. So I'm trying to be a little more active with that and curating some stuff out to y'all. But other than that, guys, thanks for hanging out with us this week. It's been a lovely time catching up. I'll try and, uh, you know, coordinate with Life of Pan to get an episode ASAP. Next one coming soon, guys. As always, you can find my content at MonsterDFace and all social media platforms until next time y'all dance out those kills and boast in those victory royales